and welcome into the roundtable. As we've seen over the course of the past several months, we've hit a bit of a lull, shall we say, in the freight economy. So what are the big macroeconomic factors that are going to be chasing us for this time forward? Joining us to talk about it, we've got a couple of individuals here. Sam Martinez, the VP of Strategic Solutions at Redwood, and also Andrew Lockwood, the Senior Director of Managed Logistics at Seneth Global Logistics, one of the longest titles in Great. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here for this one. Um, Andrew, let me start with you here. Uh, right now, we've got a chart uh, showing the last several years of the uh, outbound tender rejection index and how it's just basically flatlined uh, over the course of the last year or so. As you look at how this uh, this turns at this point right now, midpoint 2023, what are kind of the larger macro- macroeconomic factors Outside of disruptions that you're looking at in terms of where we might see a turn, where we might see any kind of activity that a company can jump on. Yeah, I think everyone is interested in when spending is going to start again. When it, when is it going to? It's not that we've stopped spending money, right? But uh, you know, when is the volume going to come back to the level that we that we thought? Listen, 2021 was a black swan event. Like we all know that now. That was just some crazy chaotic circumstances compounded by the bullwhip effect. And so I think here we are in 2023, and it, it just kind of feels generally sluggish and slow. We've seen that. I've, personally, we've experienced 10 to 20% dips in certain areas of, of, uh, of, of our business. And so what's not selling as much? Consumer goods, uh, luxury items. What is, is your more your recession-proof type things. I think there's some smart money in certain areas. But yeah, the economy overall, very sluggish. We're looking at interest rates. Um, you know, I think there's a general perception that we're at the tail end of maybe inflation. It's peaked, and, and we're starting to you know, to see some changes in the housing market. Uh, but there's some fundamental shifts in our economy, and I, I don't see it uh, ramping up until maybe 2024. Uh, just in general, it's, it's going to be slow growth mode, I think, for the next couple of years, in, in my opinion. Sam, it looks like a placid lake in terms of what we're seeing in, in, with the activity out there in the freight markets. What are you seeing in terms of the larger macroeconomic factors that you're looking at to possibly see some changes, again, outside of the big disruptions that we po- may possibly see here? at how the micro fleets, uh, the owner operators are you know, exiting the industry. I think we saw certain pockets of the country with produce season being affected most. And, and I think things tightened there. And I believe we saw a spike in rates there as well. Um, but as far as overall with the volume side of it, like shipper side of it, you know, that 10,000 um, tenders uh, during the day, that index is so vital to us. And when we recover, when we have passed that, I think shippers are very happy with how things are today, uh, but certainly carriers aren't either. So it's always a balancing act. And where I sit in the middle, uh, I'm just always watching and, and trying to anticipate, you know, my own moves or our, our company's next move to, to make the right decision. It's going to be an interesting, interesting way to observe it for, of course, for the next uh, six months or so. Uh, Andrew, uh, aspects of this situation that are sort of somewhat under human control. In other words, maybe government decisions, Fed decisions, interest rates, those kinds of things that are not necessarily disruptive from uh, a chaotic standpoint, but maybe controlled decisions. Do you see any of that uh, having any impact on how we can anticipate what may be coming or at least try to uh, be a catalyst in some degree to how, how things move forward to improving the freight market? Yeah, I mean, interest rates is the biggest lever right now on the table. And so depending on uh, how the Fed continues to deal with, you know, with hiking interest rates and, and, and again, it's a whole economy type decision, 
our industry within supply chain is really a trickle down to, you know, from that. But we're a great barometer for what the overall economy is experiencing. So that's the biggest lever. Uh, you talk about like what's controllable. And I think about, you know, the, the Philadelphia Bridge that collapsed. Um, you know, that that's a really bad event. You know, there's a, a fatality there. It's going to cause a lot of disruption um, just in that local area because is that's an important corridor. But what can our government do uh, to help work? And I think there's two micro levers there that they can pull. They can look at um, a toll waiver. Uh, so if you take the toll roads, can you know can can they lessen the cost of that? Because that cost is going to be absorbed somewhere. Or do they do a a kind of a uh, by state uh, hours of service waiver, which we've seen in other states here in the past couple months, based on kind of catastrophic events. So uh, there is ways for our government to work uh, to kind of minimize the disruption. Chaos is going to happen. Um, you know, you see this in the news, right? With uh, the, the labor discussions out west at the ports. Uh, it's looming there for UPS too. Like usually with these situations, you get to the brink and then it resolves itself at the same day type thing. But that's where I think our government can work for us is pulling the levers to control what we can control. Bill, I like, I like how you phrase that because um, chaos is going to happen, but our government should work for us in that respect. Uh, Sam, same question to you and maybe not even take it from a federal level, but maybe even from the private sector, any decisions that uh, they can make uh, in terms of trying to improve the situation? I think you're always just trying to do what's what's in your best interest. And I feel like that's uh, sometimes the struggle, right, as, as everybody has different interests and, and where to uh, improve certain things from a macro standpoint, uh, whether it's labor shortages or, or micro disruptions, they still affect the shippers, the networks. And right now, I think they're affecting the carriers the most. Uh, and you're trying to find ways to help them. Uh, it's just that the rates and the economy, uh, things are working against them. And eventually that will catch up and there will be enough capacity to uh, support the amount of volume in when, when things do come back. Uh, not to a roaring state of 2021, but when they do come back, you'll have so much capacity to exit unless we choose to take care of some of the, the uh, major issues, as Andrew mentioned. All right. So let's turn to the things that we can't necessarily control, at least from a national level. And, and, and uh, Andrew, we talked about this just a little bit. Uh, beforehand, when you introduce these chaos elements, again, we're talking about West Coast uh, labor negotiations, you're talking about UPS, you're talking about again, the, the infrastructure issues that we saw there uh, in Philadelphia and how that comes about. Chaos is going to be introduced into this. So the Placid Lake is there, but it seems like there are alligators below uh, the, the surface of the water. How do you look at this situation in terms of there's going to be something happening? Uh, and how and how do you be best prepared to deal with it if we get a major disruption? Yeah, one word: diversification. You got to diversify, just like your four hundred one k. And I think that's what a lot of supply chain managers, directors, VPs are starting to see. Is you know, let's take them, let's take into account lessons learned from the last two years. When I diversify my supply chain, I'm not all eggs in one basket. Uh, there's a lot of health in that. So take for example what's going on in the West Coast. If I ship all of my containers in from China to Port of Long Beach, all my eggs in that basket are subject to how that labor negotiation goes. Whereas if I take a kind of a different prong strategy, maybe I go through the Panama Canal, go to Houston, go to some of the East Coast ports. Now I've got options. That's what I'm seeing personally is people are looking and they're willing to pay for options. Take some of the longer lead time items like HVAC units. Um, these are traditionally 26 you know, week lead time items. I'm seeing so many restaurant and re retailers say, hey, I'm willing to pay in advance to store these so that when I need it, I can pull it rather than be subject to maybe some chaos or disruption 
because that really throws off my construction schedule, you know, for example. So I, I think that's where the smart money is in the industry is, is looking to say, how, how, what are all the risks that could happen? How do I mitigate those risks? And how do I spend money wisely so that I, I'm not subject to the chaos that maybe everybody else would be later on down the road? Sam, how do you see diversification uh, helping out? Uh, obviously, uh, as, as Andrew mentioned, a great point in terms of obviously not putting your eggs, all your eggs in one basket. But have you seen any kind of more interesting uh, tactics in terms of making sure that your supply chains uh, remain steady and remain uh, intact as uh, shippers try to get their goods and services to, to the places they need them? Yeah, I think as the ship is steadied for a lot of major shippers out there that definitely impact major industries, you also see their impact with their relationships. And when things in this and the ship steadies, you're starting to ask for more out of your partners. Maybe it's a managed service model. Maybe you're contracting your LTL through them. You know, there's a lot of different ways where companies are partnering with logistics companies. And it's a, it's a great thing. There's a lot of momentum there. Uh, but when the market steadies like this and the ship steadies, that's where you see shippers starting to ask for more. And maybe it's just delivering results that uh, you're asking how to mitigate risk. Uh, how are you proactively doing that? What are you doing now proactively? Uh, Decision-making, critical thinking, bright ideas, uh, strategic planning that the shipper themselves doesn't have to bring to the table for somebody to deliver or you know procure on their behalf. I think they're looking for a lot more of the logistics companies and the partners out there to bring the strategy to them. That's I see a big trend in that right now. Andrew, as we look at this, uh, obviously the market is hopefully going to turn at some point, again, maybe later on this year, maybe 2024. Um, but right now, who do you think is is positioned well? Because uh, this seems like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, this seems like a bit of a starting block situation where all of a sudden, uh, if things start to turn positive, you want to get out and you want to get out quickly. So who is uh, positioned well right now to to try and, and take advantage of the situation as the market turns? I think shippers are in that prime position. I'm going to go back to kind of what Sam said. I, I view this year as prime relationship building season. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is shippers do have that leverage to ask for more, right? Not only from quality of results, uh, but you think about things like, you know, creative things like supply chain financing. Like, what can I lean on my service provider to do other than just transport goods or, or store goods? Uh, you know, it, it, in the general economy. So that's where I do see it, it as a season to kind of uh, maybe grow from what your core competencies are, especially with those established relationships. Uh, because when times get tough, when times get chaotic, who are you going to turn to? Well, you're going to turn right. to your trusted partners. So I love what Sam said there. I, I think that that is how I view this year. This is maybe numbers are down, maybe volumes down, maybe profits won't be exactly what they are. These relationships you build this year will pay dividends in the years to come if you do it right. All right. Um, Sam, as you look at that, uh, let me ask you that kind of same question. Who do you think is positioned well when this thing gets started, again, obviously relationships are very important, uh, but again, you also have to have your stuff in order if you're going to if you're going to capitalize on, on when this market turns. Yeah, I think a lot of larger companies have really looked at internal strategy and where can they focus? What do they need to fill the bucket? Where do they need to hire for sales? Where do they need uh, more equipment repositioned? Uh, and so many different models and logistics companies offer. What are you good at? What are you going to bank on? What are you really going to uh, double down on? And over the next six months. I think those are big time key decision uh, areas that are happening right now for logistics companies. Uh, obviously, you've seen a ton of people themselves uh, been laid off. You've seen that happen. It's more of now in terms of the business and the executive teams, and the leadership teams of what are they going to double down on? What are they going to focus on? And how are they going to communicate that to their shipper partners or their carrier partners to make sure that you enter 24 with the most momentum? 
I think in terms of who's to gain most from that, I think the shipper's in a great position. But I think a lot of logistics companies are in a great position to narrow focus in, which is always a good thing. Gotcha. We've got about a minute left here, gentlemen. Andrew, uh, I'll, I'll fire this last one at both of you, uh, but you first. In terms of uh, going forward, obviously there was a certain way that things were done before the pandemic. There was a certain way that things were done uh, during the pandemic when we had you know freight volumes through the roof. Will they? Will we do things differently after that, or do you think things will come back to normal? I. I think the shift of what normal is, I think there's going to be a shift in that definition. I, it, for the foreseeable future, let's just say the next three to five years, I think shippers will require a higher level of quality of service from their providers, barring any kind of un, you know crazy chaos that's injected the system. I don't think we're going to have another COVID event, probably in our lifetime. Could be wrong on that. But yeah. for at least for the foreseeable future, I think the expectation of quality of service is going to go way up. Um, so I think that that gives us a, a, a great, it's a great breeding ground for improving your technology, improving your relationships, stretching out from maybe your core competency and doing some things that uh, traditionally, you know, 3PLs haven't been required to. We see the, we see the onset of AI. I think there's a lot there uh, that we can take advantage of. But that's where I see just a lot of emerging technologies starting to infiltrate and really permeate the industry in the next three to five. Sam, what, what do you see? Do you do business the same way uh, as the market turns as we move forward? Well, you always learn from the past. And I think the biggest thing from learning is uh, proper forecasting. I think uh, from a fundraising aspect and the startups out there to uh, just your own trajectory in terms of like your company, what you're doing. I think being able to forecast after the pandemic and looking at your data in a way that um, is not only unique to your company, but also makes sense to a lot of shipper or carrier partners, like whoever the supply chain is and looking at your data, it makes sense for your organization. I think a lot of companies are looking at their data in unique ways moving forward. And I think that'll be the biggest change um, for a lot of companies out there. That'll be an interesting thing to, to see happen when this market starts to kick back up again. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right, we'll take a short break and we'll come back and wrap up this edition of Freight Waves now after this.